0: It is finally here, Texas, Alabama, the game of the year to this point, at least one of the most high pressure games of the entire college football season is about to get rolling. Also, by the way, you got Nebraska, Colorado. That one has a little bit more juice than we thought it might going into the year. This is a phenomenal slate we have ahead of us in week two, and we're so glad to have you here. This is the hard count, the people's college football show, everything that you know and love about fall Saturday afternoons. That has to do with this sport. Happens here, happens every single day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're live in living color as we are right now. What's it going to take to win that game? H- how does Alabama keep Texas from getting it done in Tuscaloosa? How does Texas go in there and slay the dragon and prove that everything Steve Sarkeesian has built from this point is all all worth it everything he's done since he's got to texas has led up to a game like this to make a statement to the rest of the country hey i'm the guy to bring texas back quinn yours is the quarterback to bring texas back and i'm not saying if they win that game texas is back but you would have to imagine the good faith it would provide for the people in austin texas i don't think you can overstate that also some headlines we went to twitter and asked y'all what are going to be the headlines when the dust settles on week two we got a lot of great answers from y'all i called it twitter some of y'all may now know it as X. You definitely don't know it as threads, but that's neither here nor there. What's it going to take for Nebraska Colorado to to get a win in that game? What's it going to take for Coach Prime to keep the jet fuel pouring onto his program? What's it going to take for Nebraska and Matt Rule to kind of right the ship? A heartbreaker against Minnesota. I mean, they should have won that game. Woulda, shoulda, coulda is kind of the most frustrating language to use right now in lincoln nebraska but nonetheless probably should have won that game against minnesota how do you end up victorious in that game if you're either side we'll break that one down the transfer portal now i'm not sure if y'all saw this past weekend but there were a lot of teams that were portal heavy this past off season that had a lot of success in week one then you had a team in clemson that is pretty much known for not using the portal for the most part, outside of like one or two guys in their history, and they they fell to Duke. What's the nature of the transfer portal right now? Is the transfer portal a requirement in modern college football to be successful? We will discuss. And then at the end of this thing, I'm going to give you our final thoughts, kind of our last take, if you will. Some of them are calling our shots, just things to watch as a whole throughout some of the big games this weekend. And I can't wait to get into it, man. Again, if, you, if you're new here, welcome. It's college football. It's only college football. There's a lot of other shows out there. We say this a lot. I love all of those shows. Love all of them. Everyone that adds to the college football landscape in the media world, I love what they do. With that being said, what we do, I think, is specific to college football and only college football. Nothing else added into this show. Just ball. No agenda. No additives. No high fructose corn syrup. We say that a lot around here. We're glad to have you here before we get into what I want to talk about with uh, with week two as a whole I want to just say thank you for two things first thank you for being tuned in right now we've had tremendous traffic over the last week or so with the season getting rolling so that's a testament to y'all we appreciate that second thing I want to say thank you for it was around two years ago where I was sitting in my office job eight to five structure listening to a college football podcast a lot like this and it was a myriad of different shows but that was what I did And if you told me I was going to Alabama, Texas in two years, I would have said, great, I'll walk over broken glass to get to that game. Fortunately, we're going this weekend to go see the game of week two. And that's a testament to y'all. And it's a testament to y'all continuing to improve what we got going here. So thank you for that. Thank you for being a part of this program. No more time to be wasted. Thursday, September 7th, 2023. The last one in history. Let's make it a great one. So, like I said, a lot to jump into, but what do we want to see when it comes to week two of the college football season? What are some things that we're uh, a little bit curious to watch? Some things that maybe we just want to see in general. There's a, a fair list of them right here, but the first one is Ohio State, man. Let's hang 50 on Youngstown State. No disrespect to Youngstown State. Got a lot of love for them, but when I look at Ohio State, you score 23 points against Indiana. 23 points. 23 points. You don't take a Ferrari just 20 miles an hour in the car in the carpool lane or take it down some side streets and just kind of cruise. No, you open that sucker up. You go 90 miles an hour, pedal to the metal, and you fly. I want to see Ohio State do that. Cuz what I saw against Indiana, I understand. Road game, conference game, new quarterback. I'm not saying that that's, you know, a, a thing you need to just totally mail in the season four obviously that you had a bad showing against indiana i want to see ohio state open it up play seven on seven and i want them to reassure everyone and remind everyone what this ohio state team has under the hood because news flash they have a lot of big time skill pieces the defense i think will take care of business i'm not worried about the defense but when it comes to this offense i want to see them rev the engine a little bit i'm not panicking from indiana i'm just saying my eyes would like to see that is that too much to ask for 50 points ohio state let's get it done I don't know if y'all know but we got the Cyhawk this weekend I shouldn't say I don't know if y'all know y'all already know if you're watching this show because you're a college football junkie but we got Iowa State we got Iowa and there's been a lot of negative publicity around this game around people betting on the under and a lot around Brian Ferentz and his job in scoring 25 points a game like y'all let's see some points in this game the over is 36 and a half the over under 36 and a half I should say how awesome would it be if this game was 31 28 I don't care which side ends up getting it done want to see a lot of points, see some offense, see an exciting product on the field. Last year, this, this final score was 10-7. Iowa State got it done. And I understand that there is a brand of football that is beloved in Iowa. And, and they love the fact that we're playing with a fullback and, and we're going ground and pound and it is leather helmet, strap it up, power eye formation kind of football. I love that as well. But with everything surrounding this game and all the negative publicity and all the negative press, let's get some good things on tape. Now, let's see some touchdowns, man. I want to see Cade McNamara back there just dealing the pill like a shady pharmacist. How awesome would that be? Especially for what Cade McNamara has been through having to transfer from Michigan, where he won a Big Ten title, by the way. So I'd love to see some points in this game. Would love to see uh, just a good product offensively on the field. That's what I want to see when it comes to that game in Week 2. Now, for USC... A lot of talk about how they haven't played anybody. Well, they get a little bit better resistance this coming Saturday. It'll be a late kick, 10.30 Eastern. They got Stanford. And Stanford, they got a new uh, new head coach. Troy Taylor was previously the head coach at Sacramento State. He's now running the show at Stanford. And I'm not going to go out and say that Stanford's somehow going to be like a tremendous test for USC. But Troy Taylor's football team's at Sac State at the FCS level at least, ran for right around 240 yards a game. Last year, USC in this game at Stanford took care of business. They allowed right around 200 yards rushing against Stanford. Stanford, historically a really physical football team. They, they are a team that's going to, at the very least, give it an effort to run the football. I want to see the USC defensive line flex up a little bit here because how much do we talk about right here on this show, into this camera and tell you Bear Alexander's going to be a dude. We had him on this very show. He told us he's a game wrecker. Okay, Anthony Lucas, we know what he was out of high school. Jack Sullivan played a lot of football coming from Purdue. Like those guys had so much buzz around them. I want to see them just make a statement against Stanford. And a statement against Stanford is, you know, a statement to a degree I understand. It's not like you're going out there and just stonewalling Notre Dame or stonewalling another good football team that has a better roster than Stanford does. I'm just saying do what you're supposed to do against the team that you should take care of business against. I want to see them held to less than a hundred yards rushing. That, to me, would give me a lot of confidence for USC. I'm not overreacting. I'm not saying you give USC a national championship because they hold Stanford to less than 100 yards rushing, but I think there's something to be said for trends, and that would be a great place to set the trend going forward for USC this season. Last thing I want to see when it comes to week two of the college football season, how much do we talk about Phil Longo's new offense he's bringing to Wisconsin, how they'll be a little bit more balanced, going to throw the football a little bit more. Last week, Tanner Mordecai threw for 189 yards on 31 attempts against Buffalo. Now, they took care of business against Buffalo. I'm not saying they should switch it up too much, but they go to Washington State this week. I want to see them open it up, man. Like 31 attempts for 189 yards, that is just dinkanddunk.com right there. That is just check down central. Tanner Mordecai, he came to Wisconsin to get the arm loose a little bit here. Go wing it around the yard. Go play seven-on-seven against Washington State. You're gonna be on the road in pullman washington let's bring up the big guns here and i'm, I'm all for kind of keeping the the system under wraps in the first game and kind of not wanting to show too much but like hey coach longo let's flex that muscle baby if we're going to need to throw the football later in the year i don't want us to show up that game against ohio state and say okay now let's pull it out now let's find a way to start throwing the ball around the yard like let's, let's set a baseline for this here Let's do it against Washington State. Would love to see Tanner Mordecai be north 300 yards passing. Is that too much to ask? Maybe. I would love to see them open it up. So a lot to look at for week two. A lot that we just selfishly would like to see when it comes to the college football landscape. But regardless, you already know we're going to enjoy every single minute of this fall Saturday as we always do. and I'm sure y'all will too. I appreciate everybody tuned in live right now. If you don't mind subscribing to the channel and also liking this video, get us over 100 likes. We would greatly appreciate that as we keep on rolling along here. Now, if you were a part of this show in this last week, then you know that we love prize picks, man. Prize picks, daily fantasy, and it is a safe, easy, efficient way to make some money on the sport that you love. We keep it college football here, so that's how we get down when it comes to prize picks. If you go ahead and redeem code JD, deposit match up to 100 bucks. I'm just telling you, feels like theft. I promise you it's not 100% legal. Now we got a nice little flex play baked in here that we're excited for, for this college football Saturday. We're so close last week on a flex play, went one for three in terms of our projections coming to fruition, got a good feeling about this one. Now, to give you a quick overview, a flex play means we do not have to hit every single projection To make our money a power play gotta hit all of them we've got a flex play here with five different projections a lot of them having to do with the big games nebraska colorado and alabama texas so we have jeff sims going for less than his projection on pass yards and rushing yards 183 and a half pass yards 64 and a half rush yards i love nebraska i love coach satterfield I don't think he's going to do more than those projections. I just think the offense last week, only time they scored was on a broken trick play. Need a little bit more good faith than that. I'm not saying Colorado's defense is going to be world beaters, but I think those numbers are a little bit rich for yours truly. Now, going to the Alabama game, also some plays we like a part of this flex play. I like the more on Jalen Milrose. Pass yards and rush yards. Pass yards is 210. Rush yards is 52 and a half. I like those. I like those a lot. I think Texas is going to challenge them in the box at some point in time and make Jalen Miller throw the football. And when that happens, Isaiah Bond, downfield. Malik Benson, downfield. Dial it up a little bit here. And I saw him hit the, hit, hit the deep ball a couple times last week. It was Middle Tennessee, but I know that it's there. I think he's got more in the tank. I'm excited to see it. And then also those 52 and a half rush yards, the way I think we get more than that, broken plays, couple design quarterback runs. He's the best athlete on the field. He's playing quarterback. And then the last play we like a part of this five projection flex play, Travis Hunter, more than 73 and a half receiving yards for Nebraska. Saw a lot of man coverage last week against Minnesota. Would expect them to change it up. But if you want to give Travis Hunter man coverage, he's going to do a lot more than 73 receiving yards. So go ahead and lock those in. Now, the beautiful part about a flex play, if we hit all five of these projections, 10x your money. Beautiful. If we go four for five on this flex play, double the money, three out of five, we still make some money. So go ahead again, redeem code JD, 100% deposit match up to $100. Those are the plays we like shout out prize picks for bringing the hard count to us to y'all today appreciate that all right now we got some big games this weekend some very very big games this weekend the biggest game of the week potentially one of the biggest games of the season texas alabama gonna be a movie bryant denny stadium night game crowd will be ridiculous anybody and everybody is going to be there it will be the zoo what's it going to take to win that football game well i'm glad you asked for texas i think they win this football game If they can adapt to the style of the fight. And when I say that, I mean, obviously, if you're Texas, you want to dictate terms, right? You want to go out there. You want to sling the football around. You want to let Quinn Ewers cook, baby. You want to show them a little bit of that Texas barbecue. Shout out Terry Blacks. You want to show them a little bit of what you can do, what you did in the first quarter last year. Xavier Worthy, go deep, boss. Adonai Mitchell, welcome to the squad. Go catch a touchdown pass. Jordan Whittington, Let's get after it in the slot here because that was their matchup last year they took advantage of. But if Alabama says, you know what, we saw the tape. Nick Saban's our head coach. He don't like it when you torch his DBs like you did. Yeah, we're a little bit banged up. We'll see how we look in the secondary when it comes to game time. I don't think we'll get a ton of answers at this point in time out of Tuscaloosa with what that back end will look like. I think if Texas has a counterpunch there. If Alabama takes that away and, and and Texas is able to run the football, that would be how you win the football game. Can you beat Texas, or can you beat Alabama, rather, if you're Texas, at their own game? That's what I'm watching. Can you pound the rock? Can you adapt your style? Make sure you're subscribed to this channel. Make sure you like the video. Completely free. We're so glad to have you here. It's college football and only college football. Once you're locked in for the duration of the season, best way to do that, subscribe to the channel. So thank you for that. Now, defensively, Texas can win this football game, it's going to sound simple, but it's true, if they don't get bullied. And getting bullied does not mean that Texas holds Alabama to under 150 rush yards. It means can Texas take enough punches in the jaw and still find a way to force a three and out? And when I say three and out, I don't mean three. Well, I guess that's not really a three and out. Can they find a way to force Alabama to eventually punt the football is what I'm trying to get at here. Because Alabama, they're going to run the football. They're going to force the issue. That is who they are. Make no mistake about it. It's been very well broadcasted. There is no secret as to what the game plan is here for Alabama. They want to run the football at you. Can Texas say, all right, stand in there, take a punch or two, gets to third and four, fourth and one we're off the field like that that kind of situation is what texas has to do consistently because what you want to avoid if you're texas is how alabama would in the football game and alabama wins the football game by just living in third and three that that is what they want to do they want to get success on first and second down get you to third and three at that point the entire playbook is open you want to commit extra safeties to the box and try and stop the run well if you do guess what Got some fast dudes on the outside now. You saw Middle Tennessee; they tried to stack the box too. Didn't work out well for them. Jalen Milrow was just dealing missiles for touchdown passes. You want to live that way? Okay, that's fine. Okay, well, you want to be honest with us in the box? That's fine. We'll turn around and hand the ball to Jason McClellan. Get downhill, quick, fast, in a hurry. Our linemen—they're freakish. They're monsters. They have bad intentions. They're going to make you submit. That is how they want to get down offensively, and it works best for them in third and three because they can be multiple, so keep an eye on that. Defensively now for Alabama, it sounds simple as well, but if they force multiple turnovers, think about the impact that would have on this game. First and foremost, Alabama, they want to play a low-margin-for-error style of football, meaning they're not going to make mistakes. They're going to let you make the mistakes. And so if Texas does that, one, you're, you're on the road, and so you kind of risk the rattle effect, right? You, you, you risk maybe Quinn Ewers getting a little bit rattled or the rest of your offense getting rattled and being off balance, and, and you cannot have that be the case in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And Bryant-Denny Stadium, with the atmosphere you're going to have, you better keep a cool hand, all right? Having some turnovers doesn't really cater to that. Now, if they do turn the football over, like I was saying, then you just get to rinse, repeat what the offense want to do the whole time, which is wear on you. Wear on you, lean on you. You can only have 500 pounds on your back for so long before you start to get shaky and the rest of your body gives out. That is what Alabama wants to be in this game. They want to be that 500-pound weight that maybe you don't feel it in the first quarter, maybe you're strong in the second quarter, but third, fourth quarter that anaconda starts to squeeze shortness of breath kicks in there and then it's it's just bad news as a whole and giving Alabama more possessions keeps the defense on the field longer for Texas and that's just not the way that you want to get down so that would obviously favor Texas or favor Alabama rather and put Texas in a tough position there so what does it mean what does it mean if Texas wins this football game that college football playoff buzz man starts to grow because you look at the rest of the schedule and you say, okay, Texas beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I understand now they got to get up for every game. That's a very big part of this. But just on paper, if you can beat Alabama and you're Texas, who are, you, who are you nervous about on the rest of your schedule? Oklahoma? Oklahoma's got a good roster, but you took care of business last year against them. I understand Dylan Gabriel didn't play in that game, but you look at Alabama you say, Alabama's a tougher test than Oklahoma. Right? I mean for Texas this would be an enormous hurdle and the confidence would just grow now if they lose there's going to be a lot of talk for the entirety of the offseason about what they're going to be when they get to the SEC make no mistake about it there's a lot of people that are ready to just start calling Texas soft and they're not good enough on the line of scrimmage and they couldn't beat Alabama so how are they supposed to compete in the SEC if Alabama's not even the best team in the SEC the last couple of years like well, oh, I take that back. Alabama won the SEC, I guess, two years ago. You hear what I'm saying? How are you going to compete in the SEC if you can't hold a candle to Alabama? It's going to be that welcome to the SEC kind of vibe for a lot of people if Texas drops this game. Now, if Alabama were to win this game, it would feel a lot like a reminder to the rest of the country who Alabama is and what they have. Because I myself have been very much so in the wait and see mode when it comes to our rankings for them week to week a lot of these other polls have like some good faith baked in for Bama that's fair but they're 125th in returning production they're not 125th in talent I promise you that they have just top two classes all over that campus all over that locker room like they have tons of talent in Tuscaloosa winning this game with some guys that are unproven would kind of be like oh yeah oh yeah that's right he's the greatest of all time for a reason oh yeah I remember signing day now and seeing that script a pretty high up in the rankings almost every single year okay yeah that, that that makes sense it would also be a lot of validation for the makeover that nick saban has caused this team to undergo bill o'brien pete golding oc dc no longer there you bring in tommy reese you're bringing kevin Steele. you brought him in for a reason because you want to play a different style a new philosophy at alabama is underway and we're going to get the best gauge for it so far in week two right here You beat Texas, a team that has a chance to score a lot of points and is playing kind of that modern style of spread-you-out kind of football, the RPO system, kind of trendy to a degree, and you beat them playing old-fashioned, throwback, Bama kind of football, how validating would that feel for what Nick Saban has allowed this team to do and how how he's sort of remade this operation and, and gone back to his philosophy of we're going to make you quit kind of Alabama football? I think it'd be huge. But if Alabama loses this football game, you know there's going to be a lot of people start getting on the microphone, people that sit in chairs like this and have microphones like this that say Saban's lost his touch, game's passed him by. Now, I don't believe that. I don't think you believe that either. I don't think people in Texas believe that. I don't think that people in Texas also should believe that they're not ready for the SEC if they lose this football game. But the overreaction will be enormous on either side of this and the the sentiment that people will will yell and scream about for Alabama is well Saban doesn't have it anymore Saban Saban needs to go on and get on college game day or something because he's games passed him by again we don't think either of those things are true I just want us to kind of safeguard against that overreaction as well as the overreaction that Texas somehow isn't ready for the SEC if they lose to Alabama now we'll kind of use the eye test here and use our best judgment we'll watch the ball and we'll kind of figure it out but I just want us to kind of safeguard against some of those reactions because I think you're going to hear a lot of that regardless of the result. Either way, though, man, cannot wait for this game. Cannot wait. We've waited all offseason for week two. I was asking y'all actually on my Twitter, excuse me, on my X, I was asking y'all, hey, what's going to be the the headlines at the end of week one? And there were like three or four of y'all that were like, great, now it's Bama Texas week is what the headline after week one should be. And so. Hey, it's it's hard to fault anybody for that because we've had this one circled for a minute and it is finally here can't wait if you could uh subscribe to the youtube channel that'd be phenomenal and also if you could like the video we'll go well over 100 likes and we would just appreciate that because we got a nice little streak going here of over 100 likes might need to move that that bar up a little bit too for the 100 like deal but regardless we appreciate y'all being tuned in i alluded to it a second ago but it is uh very advantageous to be following me this time of year on instagram and on x formerly twitter now it's x at jd because i like to hear from y'all and like to involve y'all into this show as much as humanly possible and a segment we've done here a couple of times and we've done the last week now into the college football season what's the headline going to be when the dust settles on week two like what are we going to be talking about once we wrap up that beautiful thing that is a fall Saturday and we start kind of picking up the pieces and looking at week three, what's the week two headlines going to be? Well, Larry came in hot. Something tells me Larry is a Texas Longhorn fan because he came out of the shoot hot here. And he said the headline's going to be who's Alabama's quarterback in week three. So if this is the headline we're dealing with, the impact here is enormous. But from a gameplay standpoint, it probably means that Alabama lost the football game to Texas. So that's in itself enormous that Alabama would lose in Bryant-Denny Stadium, favored by a touchdown, to Quinn Ewers and Steve Sarkeesian, and their air – I shouldn't say air raid because they're not an air raid team, but it probably means they had some success throwing the football. But the the headline of who's Alabama's quarterback in week three leads me to believe then that Alabama struggled offensively, and there was probably – a fair amount of turnovers. I'm going to go ahead and say there were somewhere around three turnovers if we're having a debate about who Alabama's quarterback is going to be in week three. I think there's also fair to assume a little bit that maybe if there's that many turnovers and if we're having this conversation that Alabama maybe switched quarterbacks midway through. Maybe Jalen Monroe started the football game, couldn't get it rolling, needed a spark. Tyler Buckner, you're in. Ty Simpson, you're in. Maybe that's a world we're living in. I shouldn't say that it's a lock that Alabama loses the football game if you're going to have a new quarterback because we've seen quarterback controversy in Tuscaloosa before when they won the national championship even so that's probably the way that I lean if we're having a discussion about Alabama and uh, then making the quarterback switch already in week three would be pretty wild now another one of y'all said the headline is going to be Texas is not back now I would be very careful When it comes to the texas is back or not back headline because if texas wins the football game there's going to be a segment of the longhorn fan base a segment of the college football public mind you that segment of the longhorn fan base is pretty small that's going to be saying this that texas is back and if they lose this football game there's going to be a lot more people that are more freely saying texas is not back texas is not this texas is not that I think we need to be very careful to not define texas and their trajectory based on one game on the road against the greatest of all time in nick saban i understand that it is trendy and i think it's catchy and clicky and all that like we get accused of of being kind of clickish sometimes on this show and, and having clickbait or whatever like i promise you the easiest thing to get clicks after this week will be to comment on texas being back or not back we're not going to do that. We're not defining Texas back or not back because of what happened in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Now, you take a good litmus test, and if they were to get a win, it's a nice notch in the belt and a nice rung to climb on the ladder of where they are and where they're headed. But we had Bobby Burton from Inside Texas on this very show yesterday, and we asked him, hey, is Texas back if they win this game? And he's like, no, 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 no. Texas has been dubbed as back before. Remember, they started the season with Notre Dame. And I forget who was on the call, but game went to overtime. Tyrone swoops, 18-wheeler, gets in the end zone to win the football game for Texas. And whoever was calling the game made the statement, Texas is back. Texas was, in fact, not back at that point in time. Sam Ellinger, they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, gets on the mic, says Longhorn Nation, we're back. Texas was not back at that point in time. Texas will be back when there is sustained success over time. And that's not me being down on Texas. That is me, I think, just trying to put a proper gauge on what Texas is right now. They're trending the right way. I believe Texas has everything in the, in-house the to, in to be able to eventually get back. But to say they're back after one game or they're not back after one game, I think is not the way we should look at this. So that's our thoughts there. Hunter says, we leave week two with the headline that Notre Dame is for real. That'd be fun, man. That would be a fun headline. If Notre Dame is dubbed as for real after week two, again, we got to pump the brakes a little bit because it's NC State and that would be a really good win. Be a good win against a power five team on the road, sleepy noon kick. And if you're telling me that they're for real after that game, I'm going to go ahead and assume that they throttled NC State. Like I'm going to go ahead and assume that Sam Hartman went for four touchdowns, 300 yards, and they probably won the game by 30-ish points if we're saying they're for real. Because for real now, it's a big statement. For real, we're saying a lot about Notre Dame and what they're going to be the rest of the way. I think what it would do, though, whether you want to say Notre Dame's for real or not after this game, and if those kind of things happen, it adds a whole lot of juice. Probably messes with that line a little bit in Las Vegas, Nevada, for the game against Ohio State. Like That's the game where I think we can maybe take that headline a little bit more intensely of Notre Dame being for real I'm not here to say they're not for real I'm just saying so far they've played Navy and Tennessee State and I've loved what I've seen I've loved what I've seen I think so far if they look the way they they've looked so far against NC State I think you got to start talking about Marcus Freeman and what he was dealing with last year yeah you're learning to be a head coach and all that but the way that he went out and got Sam Hartman from the transfer portal like hey Marcus Freeman's getting the hang of this coaching thing here He's getting the hang of this head coach deal, and he's a defensive coordinator. We're not got a quarterback. All right. That's, that's all I would say. I'd say, all right, Marcus Freeman making a lot of noise. Looks like he uh, got the hang of this thing pretty quickly. But again, I'm going to wait till week four before I, I put ahead the you know the, the four real stamp on Notre Dame. Love Notre Dame. Love what I've seen so far and would obviously be a nice little notch in the belt should they throttle a team like NC State. But again, we will wait and see. Corey DeMell tells us that Nebraska, the headline will be that they are better than we thought, or is TCU just bad? It's, it, this is probably a tough exercise because it is so early before we get to, you know, the meat of the season and not to say this is the meat of the season. I'm just saying we're so early in the season where our data points are so few, but if Nebraska were to beat Colorado, there would be a lot made about Colorado and there would be even more made about TCU and what they don't have, right? I want to make sure we get this out there. I don't think you can take anything away from what Colorado and Coach Prime did in Fort Worth, Texas last Saturday. Just from the sheer circumstances surrounding them. 86 new players on the road. A team that just played for a national title the year before is who you drew. And they won the football game. And they won the football game. And they won in convincing fashion. I say convincing. I mean, I was convinced that Deion Sanders and Colorado were going to be a fourth rest of the year based on that game. So I don't think you take anything away from them. But if Nebraska were to win that football game against Colorado, and we'll talk more about this here just in a little bit. I'd be very encouraged, not so much by the roster at Nebraska, because I think we kind of know what there is there based on how they've played the last couple of years and who they got through the transfer portal. I would be encouraged by Matt Rule being able to hit the refresh button for this team. Heading into an enormous spot. Because last week we all saw it. It was heartbreaking, man. It was heartbreaking. They could have easily beat Minnesota. And I don't say that lightly. They should have beat Minnesota. You turned the ball over four times. Four times. Had the ball with a chance to go win the football game. Had another turnover. Like, that breaks your heart. You feel snake bitten if you're a Nebraska fan. So if they take that, turn it around. Go to Boulder, Colorado and play a team with all the buzz, all the juice, all the hype, I think you talk a lot about how Matt Rule got this team ready to play. I don't question the roster. I question how they're going to be able to get back on track so quickly here. So I'm excited to watch that. The roster, I think, is good enough to make a bowl game. I don't question that. I question if they'll execute. And execution, I think, falls on preparation. Preparation falls on the coaching staff. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. A lot of great headlines from y'all. Keep them coming. If you're not yet following me on the socials, I would encourage you to do that because that's a question we're going to have out there. I would imagine almost every week, even if we don't do a segment on it, I want to hear from y'all because this is the People's College Football Show and we would not be the People's College Football Show if we did not involve the people into the show. Simple as that. So thank you in advance for locking in. Thank you in advance for being a part of this show and for for tuning in. We appreciate y'all being with us here so like I was talking about a little bit there at the end of that segment Nebraska at Colorado I wanted the same exercise we did with Texas at Alabama what's it going to take what is it going to take for them to win that football game and when I say them I mean Nebraska or Colorado what's it going to take for Nebraska I think they actually have a very key strength in this game my question is will they be able to utilize it offensively they can win this game if they just make it ugly if they make it a kind of game where it's low scoring and you're watching at home and saying, golly Nebraska's had the football for all of the second quarter. Colorado's had one possession. What's going on here? And they're just taking their time just matriculating the football down the field it's Anthony Grant left, it's Gabe Irvin right, it's designed quarterback run for Jeff Sims, like that would be the way that you would want to get down Nebraska can win this football game if it's like 2017 the score, not the year. If they get to or Sanders defensively, that is the key for them. That is how they win the football game. The subplot is you can't sit in man coverage, which puts you in a little bit of a bind. Because if you want to commit numbers, usually somebody has to be on an island somewhere. So be careful there. But if you can get to Shadour Sanders, that would be a, a way to just throw this whole plot into a blender. Because Nebraska I don't think defensively wants to make this a game where they just sit back and try to keep it all in front of them and all that like they want to be aggressive here. Empty the clip. You're on the road. You're a 3-point underdog. You got some good team speed. Let's get after him if I'm Nebraska. Let's go and get Shador Sanders cuz we can't let him sit back there and do what he does like TCU did and let him just throw for 400 500 yards. That would be very very concerning if I'm a Nebraska fan if I see that kind of approach defensively. So let's be aggressive. Let's attack and let's make this game sloppy, ugly, low-scoring. That is how Nebraska wins this football game. Make sure you're subscribed right here to the On3 YouTube channel, The Hard Count, live Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. We want you all a part of this. We're so glad to have you here because it's college football and nothing else. A lot of other shows that we love that are out there, we have no agenda. We have nothing besides the game that is played on Saturdays right here. That's all we're talking about. So thank you to advance for locking in and for being a part of this and being subscribed. Colorado. They win this football game. And it's all about swinging for the, swinging for the chin if you're Colorado. They, they can win this football game if they connect on some early punches. And I mean, we're watching this game at home. And it's Shadur Sanders takes the snap. Quick play action. Dylan Edwards across. Safeties bite up. You say, oh, no. That's not good. Gus Johnson kind of starts speaking in a little bit more of a higher octave. And the volume gets turned up on his voice. And it's either Travis Hunter or it's Jimmy Horn. Downfield, Shador Sanders right in the breadbasket, strike up the band, Boulder's going crazy. Everybody that paid good money to have a ticket in that stadium is fired up. And oh, by the way, that's the first drive of the game for Colorado. And they get the ball back, and the same kind of deal. You hit Travis Hunter deep, touchdown. And just like that, we have seven minutes to go in the first quarter, and Colorado's up 14 0. If that's the kind of game that becomes played, Nebraska cannot keep pace. I love Jeff Sims, I love Marcus Satterfield they can't keep pace with that kind of approach. It's not built to turn on the afterburners and try and catch up to Colorado offensively. It's just, that's not going to happen. So you can put this thing to bed early if you're Colorado. The line is minus three in favor of the buffs. I'm telling you, they could cover that and then some if this game starts the way that it could. And I promise you, they will be aggressive early, especially if they get man coverage. We say it on here a lot. If they play man coverage on Travis Hunter or Jimmy Horn, Game, set, match. Game, blouses. Like, that's going to be the way that this thing goes for Colorado. All right? Defensively. If they can force some turnovers like they did last week, you give your offense extra shots at the end zone, just like we were saying a second ago, I think that favors Colorado 110%. Because what, what Nebraska can't afford to be feeling like in this game is doing the math in their head of, okay, well, if we get a possession here, then we can maybe onside kick it, and then we can find a way to answer. Okay, well, we're still about two possessions away. Like, if that's the math you're doing in your head, if you're in Nebraska, we got issues. What I was just saying a second ago is the same deal offensively as it is defensively. If they can get extra bullets for Shadu Sanders, they're going to be in really good shape. And Jeff Sims now. We can't have that three-turnover kind of game. We can't have a four-turnover game as an offense if we want to have a chance in this one. If it becomes that kind of situation where they turn the ball over three times, Colorado's going to cover, and they're going to cover with ease. So what does a win mean for either team? For Nebraska, a win would be kind of resetting the trajectory of 2023. Because if you're a Nebraska fan and you go through the schedule early and you go win-loss, win-loss, win-loss before the season even gets started, you probably had your team going... Either one and one, maybe two and oh, if you're optimistic. I personally had them at one and one. This was a game that you had down as a win. And you start looking down the rest of the schedule and you're like, okay, if we want to make a bowl game, a loss here would really mess up that whole destination for them. Because then it would be games against NIU you're hoping is a win, against Louisiana Tech, you're hoping as a win, against Northwestern you're hoping is a win. That's three. Purdue, maybe. Iowa, maybe. We still don't even know what they're going to be. That's five. Are we stealing one against Wisconsin? Are we stealing one against Ohio State? Like, I don't know. I don't know about all that. I say Ohio State. I believe they actually play Michigan and not Ohio State. They avoid two of those big three. I know that. But regardless, for Nebraska, you start counting the wins. It's not the way you want to live. Not the way you want to live. For Colorado, it's kind of funny. I think the entire public... Outside of the people in Boulder, Colorado, and the people that are in that building, this is house money for them. Now, they have higher expectations than what the world is setting upon them because Vegas said three and a half wins. Now, to be clear, we did say over. We did not say over by very much. We had them at four wins. I, this looks like a football team is going to do more than that as we sit here in week one, heading into week two. It would just pour more jet fuel on the hype train that is Neon Sanders. It would just boost recruiting, it would boost momentum of the entire operation. Like, what happened last week against TCU it would further validate and solidify that Colorado's a team that you have to take seriously that game September 30th now they play USC start peeking at the calendar and say that's going to be a good one give me the over whatever it is in that game the hype train starts to get even more juice but a loss now I'm telling you there's a lot of people waiting to just say I told you so told you it wasn't going to work told you that was just a flash in the pan TCU must not be very good they lost a lot on offense told you so that's what they're waiting to say now if they lose this game to be clear we will not say that we think colorado wins this football game but there's a lot of naysayers that are just waiting to tell you that last week was a fluke and that it's not going to work in colorado and that they should have enjoyed that moment because this is going to be where they are the rest of the year is riding the the l train okay but regardless man going to be a great game fox big noon anytime you got joel clatt and gus johnson on the call you're set up for a good afternoon But excited to watch that one. That's what it'll take for both teams to get a dub in Boulder. Man, a lot to break down here. A lot to break down here because this is a segment that isn't so specific to week two, but I think it's specific to your team in general because the transfer portal is becoming more and more of a factor in college football. And I think week one gave us a pretty good litmus test for where things stand for your team when it comes to if how and and you and the utilization of the portal as a whole because you saw Florida State portal heavy team took double digit guys out of the portal in consecutive years with Mike Norvell go and be really successful take down a top five team in LSU you saw Colorado flip the entire script flip the entire roster 86 new players and this wasn't his second year this is 86 new players with a new staff you go and be a top 20 team in TCU on the road. So if you're sitting here saying, okay, well, if we're an operation that's got some money and we've got some brand power and we're still struggling to find a way to get it done in our conference, like, hey, do we have the wrong guy as the head coach? Do we have real issues with how we're evaluating our roster? Like, what do we make of all this? And I just want to be clear on this. The transfer portal, in my mind, we should view as a tool. And a tool isn't, you know, or not using a tool isn't the problem. It's a solution to a problem. But I think a lot of it, too, does go back to success that you had previously already in-house. Like Georgia, they hardly use the portal. Why? Because they don't miss a lot on the recruiting trail. And when you can grow something in-house and you can recruit at the most elite level, well, what you have in your building is probably better than whatever else is in the transfer portal. So Clemson is going to be at the the forefront of this discussion. We've been very open with how we feel about Clemson. It's not wrong for Dabo Sweeney to not go to the portal. It's not wrong. That's not the problem that he's not using the portal. The problem is what he has on the roster. The problem is that there is enough misses from the recruiting trail. There's enough misses in terms of how they put this roster together to where the portal could fix that. And Mike Norvell walked into Florida State Deion Sanders walked into Colorado and was like hey man I don't have what I need I see there's issues here he takes the tool utilizes the tool accordingly as the rules allow them to do goes in puts it together had a great first week of the college football season like that Mike Norvell been building to this had a great year last year used a lot of the portal Keon Coleman from the portal uh, Jordan Travis from the portal Jaheen Bell from the portal all guys that balled on Sunday night and so for Dabo Sweeney going back to that conversation around Clemson it's a little bit of a factor to where you don't blame him for not using the portal if you're recruiting well and it's working. The minute that there's a problem, though, the minute there's, there's something wrong with the machine, well, it then falls on you as the owner of this operation, as the owner of this college football success. That's who you're responsible for, it, right? You're responsible as the head coach. Well, at that point, you're also responsible to do everything in your power to equip your team to win football games. And the thing that gets thrown around a lot around Clemson, I kind of thought about this yesterday, is there's so much made about what we want to protect our culture. Our, our, Our culture is rock solid, and going to the portal risks that. Here's my question. How rock solid is your culture if it can't add a new player to it and still be strong? If you can't risk adding a new individual to your team, and that's going to just caused the entire operation to crumble if that's all it takes to mess up your culture how strong is the culture really I think a transfer portal actually just reveals what you have with your culture Jordan Travis and company he's been there for some time he's a portal guy as well but if, if I'm Florida State like I think that speaks volumes to their culture they were able to add a Keon Coleman add a Jaheim Bell and have them be just seamless transitions Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman they didn't have a, a huge problem at quarterback but they had a way to get better by getting Sam Hartman they added him now look what they're doing so far again they've only played a couple of teams that aren't up to their level of talent but still the portal I think is becoming more and more a requirement and so for Dabo Sweeney now the issue becomes yes you could fix it from the recruiting trail you could use one tool that is the high school recruiting and be able to eventually become more dynamic at that position but at what cost how long is that going to take you recruit a couple of high school kids to come play receiver for you. And eventually they get up to speed to be really good college players. But what year is it at that point? 2025? Where has Clemson fallen on the ACC chart? And again, I'm not selling my Clemson stock. I still think they're going to be a team that has a chance to win 9-10 football games. But to just totally just dismiss a tool that's available to you while everybody else is using it to pass you, I think we really got to take a closer look here at how much we maybe should be using the portal. Again, it's very much so by your circumstance. USC is another great example. I mean, they just absolutely flipped that entire thing around when Lincoln Riley got there. They flipped it around again this past offseason, getting more talent on the defensive side. Like, The portal is a tool, and not using the tool isn't the problem. The problem is passing up on the opportunity to get better with that tool because you're stubborn, because of your culture. And I'm not pointing fingers at that, Bo Sweeney. I'm just saying in general, for any head coach in the college football landscape— if culture is the concern that we can't add someone and still keep it intact, well, how strong is that culture really? So I'm excited to see what happens here the rest of the way. I think the transfer portal will become a lot like the high school recruiting level where you just look every single year to see how you can improve your team and you take some guys year in and year out. And I'm fascinated to see what Dabo Sweeney does here because now it's, it's getting kind of loud over there. A lot of volume now around Clemson, South Carolina and how they should or shouldn't do things that's my two cents though the transfer portal is here to stay it's a tool that you got to use and it is very much so a part of modern college football it's and man when you got tools man you got to use them there's no other way around it if you got tools you got guys that aren't getting it done there's a guy in the portal that can help you get it done as a head coach where is your responsibility why, why are you getting paid to win football games that guy can help you in football games yeah okay Well, if he's not going to be a cancer to the locker room, you do your homework accordingly. You bring him in. Great. Let's go win some football games, baby. We're oversimplifying it a little bit, but I think that the the sentiment holds true when it comes to the transfer portal. All right. Make sure you get in your questions here to the keeper of the queue, Nick break about to break those down here in just a quick minute. Before we do that, though, I want to give you all our final thoughts. We head into week two. This is kind of an exercise I want to do to just kind of as the hay is in the barn. We've made our predictions. We've given you our thoughts, our analysis. I want to just leave you all with one more thought for these teams in some of these marquee games. And Texas A&M, at Miami is a great way to start. A&M, I think you leave Coral Gables with a feeling of, okay, okay. Was it perfect? No, but the offense is in the right place. The right guy is now driving the car. And the guy that hired that guy is letting him do it. I think we see Connor Wegman spin the rock. And I think you see a lot of that talent that you recruited finally start to blossom because of this new system that's in place. So I'm excited to watch that. I think this is the game where you really just have a feeling of, ooh, okay, all right, hallelujah. All right, let's go. Let's go do what we can do now. For Miami, I think you leave this game and Tyler Van Dyke reminds everyone, what he did in 2021 Tyler Van Dyke man there's been a lot of slander around his name I would like to remind everybody that he was a top five quarterback in the country according to a lot of NFL draft circles heading out of 2021 and 2022 and then you switch the OC he gets dinged up doesn't have much help at receiver or the offensive line and then we all kind of just sold our Tyler Van Dyke stock and my question is like why how come he didn't just get worse at football from one year to the other like i think tyler van dyke is still a really good quarterback i think miami hurricane fans still feel like he's a a really big piece for them going forward and uh they're happy to have him as their quarterback and so they're like hey great everybody wants to talk about other quarterbacks and have him fly under the radar that's fine we're gonna be in good shape with him as the quarterback and i think this game with shannon dawson now calling the shots and the 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 offensive line being improved I think we see Tyler Van Dyke kind of return to that 2021 form for Texas Tech and Oregon now this is going to be a fun one Oregon going to Texas Tech going to Lubbock Texas now for Oregon man a lot of talk about them being a college football playoff team I'm here for it I'm here for Dan Lanning and Bo Nix doing what they do and getting to that top four but if they're going to do that This is the kind of game that you have to win. Not just because you can't lose games and make the college football playoff. That's obvious. I'm talking about in this kind of spot where you go on the road, non-conference opponent, and they have a good offense. We'll talk more about Texas Tech here in a second. This is the kind of game that you have to lock it in, not let the external circumstances impact you, not let the Texas Heat impact you, not let the crowd in Lubbock impact you. Dial it in, be the more mature football team, and win this game how you're supposed to win this game if you're Oregon and Dan Lanning that's the next step for them in my mind to being a college football playoff team is handling all the extra noise in a non-conference game it's not USC it's not Washington it's not one of those games where all the hype is around it like you got Texas Bama this weekend kind of overshadowing this game lock it in do what you're supposed to do handle business in Lubbock now Texas Tech they're going to score points. They are going to score points. Zach Kittley, I've said this many times, he's going to be a head coach. It's a matter of time. They're going to dial it up. He's going to spread you out, make you cover the entirety of the field. And his quarterback, Tyler Shuck, was at once point in time at Oregon. They're going to let it rip now. They're going to take their shots. If you give them man-to-man coverage anywhere on the field, they have no issue taking a shot at you. And in a game like this, with the personal element, I think it, it plays for Tyler Shuck and just the way that Oregon wasn't great defensively last year in the secondary. Curious to watch that battle early on. Again, I think they're going to score points. I think we're in for a track meet. No idea what the over is. Oh, goodness. <coughs> we just short-circuited on air. Rock and roll. Uh, no idea what the over is, but I would take a strong look at it and think about going with it. All right, now Texas at Bama. We've talked about this game a lot. Got to get one more take in here. Tavondre Sweat, defensive tackle for Texas, in my mind, is potentially the most important player in this game. Six foot four, 362 pounds. He is the foundation of that defensive line. And if you want to stop the run, if you're Texas, it starts with him. If I'm Tavondre Sweat, I say bring it on. Try and block me with two guys. Because if you block me with two guys, that means other cats on our defense get to have less attention and go make tackles. Jalen Ford, he's right behind me. You want to block me with two? Well, you better worry about him flying in and making a tackle. So it starts with him. He's the anchor of the defensive line. He is the key piece for them defensively for success on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. For Alabama now, I don't think we've seen Jalen Milrow's best just yet. I don't. And I I have very much so taken part in the questioning of what he did last year against Texas A&M. The turnovers, the issues throwing the ball downfield, I can't help but feel the more we get into the Jalen Milrow era at Alabama. I don't think we've seen his best yet. Like that song, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet? I think that's the same thing with Jalen Milrow. Because the offense last year, make no mistake about it, when he stepped in, it was not called for Jalen Milrow. That system was not built around number four playing quarterback. It was built around number nine and for good reason because Bryce Young was a freak for them last year made up for a lot of things they didn't do well offensively but now in this system under Tommy Reese I have a feeling it's going to be catered more to his skill set and I think we're going to see him explode now what does that look like I don't know but I think from a physical standpoint he's got a lot more in the tank than we're giving him credit for I think we see the run game for him he gets going in that department The pass game kind of gets going for him. Like a good basketball player, if you're playing defense, that shot kind of starts falling a little bit easier. I think that's the world that Jalen Middle is living in. And I think we see him have a really good game on Saturday night. Now for Colorado, welcome in Nebraska. I think there is nothing fluky about what Travis Hunter did last weekend. And I'll say it again. We've said it many times on this live show. I'll say it one more time. He will go for over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns if he gets man coverage at any point in time against Nebraska. Period, mic drop, the end. That is how good he is. He's the best player on the field, whether he's playing offense or defense. If Nebraska wants to sit in man coverage like they did last week and go mano y mano, Travis Hunter beat us, he will and he will put up very, very big numbers. So I want to make that clear. For Nebraska, they have a much better chance at winning this football game than a lot of people are acting like. Because the deal for Nebraska isn't, can we match Colorado in scoring points? Can we go, you know, blow for blow with them? No. The deal with Nebraska is, can we play this game how we want to play it? I think they're the more physical football team. And I think if they get a chance to be the more physical football team, meaning that they find a way to get a couple stops against Colorado's offense, they they could own this game. That scenario, we did not predict that scenario, but that scenario, I think is in the realm of possibility for nebraska when it comes to this game against colorado so lock it in man week two is about to get rolling i cannot wait for it how beautiful is this that we are into our third week of the college football season if you count week zero we're almost a full month into this sport man hallelujah hallelujah fires me up man fires me up appreciate everybody tuning in live right now if you could like the video and subscribe to the channel we'd appreciate that about to get to some of y'all's questions here in just a minute. Before we do, though, I want to let y'all know something. That game time is bringing y'all the hard count today, okay? So I want to give you a quick quick uh, scenario. Saturday morning, you and your boys are somewhere in the state of Alabama. Maybe it's Birmingham. Maybe it's not you and your boys. Maybe it's you and your family. And you say, you know what? Tuscaloosa is not that far away. I wonder if we could get to the game. say, man, we don't have tickets though. I don't know if we can get into the game. I don't think we have tickets. Well, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the big time matchups, including Texas at Alabama. So they have elite deals with last minute tickets, best price guarantee. Don't stress over getting into this game right now. you, You can wait till the day of like that, that picture I just painted for. You can wait till the day of Saturday morning and still have a chance to purchase tickets it's the best place for last minute ticket deals forget planning months in advance. game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets on all the sports and entertainment events the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section in row for less game time says you know what 110 percent credit of the difference to you so Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Game Time coming through clutch for all of us on fall Saturdays, and we appreciate them for it. Now, we say it a lot. If you're new to this show, welcome but the way that we get down on this show we call ourselves the people's college football show can't be that if you don't involve the people into the show so right now gonna go to the live chat and hear from y'all and to break it all down bringing in the heavy lifter producer extraordinaire nick break nick what's going on baby how we doing what's up man hey we got a uh
1: a super chat from mower man usa thank you very much uh It was kind of talking about J.J. McCarthy's quantum leap in quarterback mechanics. Could have thrown for well over 300, maybe 400 if he wasn't pulled for all of the fourth quarter. Uh, And then also says, enjoy your work, J.D., thank you. So what do you think about uh, J.J. McCarthy in his first game here this season, J.J.? Hey,
0: we appreciate that, first of all second of all i i'm very much so in on jj mccarthy like i think he's poised for a big year he started strong and all that for me i need to see a little bit more of a resistance from the competition for him but i mean regardless he's looked good it's never a bad thing when you wax ecu even with your head coach not there and no such thing as a as a bad win but i, I still need to see it against some other competition so there, there's nobody questioning, can he? I think the question is, will he and will that offense elevate around him to to score the points they need to to win a national championship? So I think as a whole, though, we're in agreement. J.J. McCarthy looks really good. I love the way he moved up in the pocket and was thrown on the run. Like, thought he looked great. So we'll see what happens here in the future as they play some more, uh, more meaningful football games against better opponents. J.J.,
1: everything – J.J., I just called you J.J. J.D., it. everything today in the comments has been Nebraska this, Colorado that – um, Craig, a good friend, um, there we go, a frequent commenter uh, from Nebraska comments: Colorado is praised after one game, even after giving out amount of yards they did. They have everything to lose, and Nebraska has a chance to shake it up all this week and all of the talk. And says the Huskers are hungry. JD, that's amazing because that's so different than what we were saying going into the Colorado game a week ago.
0: It's, I mean, th- that is right on the money right there from Craig. That that is exactly true. There's honestly so much pressure now on Colorado to keep what they did against TCU and validate that and show they are that team under Coach Prime and that, and all that. Like the, the the eyes of the country are now very much so on Colorado. There is nothing hotter in sports right now than Coach Prime in Colorado. So there's that and nobody's talking about Nebraska and I think honestly I'm glad he said this because I think Nebraska is a touch more dangerous in this spot because they're limping out of that game against Minnesota because they had the heartbreaker and turned the ball over so many times so I think Nebraska and I, I really meant that when I said that there is a there is a path here for Nebraska to own this football game like Craig's talking about Colorado could not stop the run last week against TCU now to be fair they still scored 45 points and that was the difference but if nebraska is able to have that same kind of success they had against minnesota running the football and colorado hasn't figured out stopping the run it it could be an interesting afternoon for us sitting at home nick so i'm excited to watch this one but that's a tremendous point by our friend craig there you're right very very different tone we're using around colorado as opposed Mm -hmm. to last week going into the tcu game
1: yeah absolutely jd um that's a good point uh next question from lee uh, says JD, you haven't spoken much about the Utah game this week. Any chance Baylor pulls off the upset, man. Baylor's reeling right now, JD.
0: Man, I that's a great question. Baylor is reeling. Baylor will be without Blake Shapen, who is their starting quarterback in Waco. Interesting thing here, Nick, Utah is going to Waco. It's gonna be hot. It's, it's, it's gonna be a hot one for the boys in Utah. So we'll see how that thing shakes out. Uh don't think Baylor pulls off the upset, unfortunately, for the good people in Waco. Um, should be a fun atmosphere. Like th- those Waco games that are right around a noon Eastern kick are like somewhere north of 100 degrees. No idea what the temperature is supposed to be, but on the turf, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be brutal. No idea if Cam Rising's playing or not either, or what the status is for him. But don't don't think that Baylor pulls off the upset. They're reeling a little bit here from that that loss against Texas State. For Baylor, I would just love to see them have some some oomph about them you know what i mean i'd love to see them kind of just get up off the map you're playing a good utah team have a chance to make a statement like let's let's go in there and throw some haymakers if we're baylor so that'll be fun to watch but i, I don't think that baylor ends up pulling off the upset there unfortunately nick yeah um well crimson king thank you for the super chat uh,
1: says bama going to be texas 38 to 13 i'm not in my opinion i don't get paid to talk about college football i don't think that's an unreasonable um opinion. that that
0: would be so it's funny because i was gonna say man i don't know about that but then i started thinking more i was like man if you had told me lsu florida state was gonna go 45 24 i would have been like really mm-hmm. i don't know if we're i don't know if we're aligned there uh i will say this i think that that result is somewhere in the bag of possibilities but i don't think it'll it'll be like that. Yeah. I think Texas is going to have a little bit more firepower offensively. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of pick up on what they did last year, and the reason why I feel that too, to, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is such an offensive mastermind. I don't think that he walks into a game like this, and they're just somehow overwhelmed from a game plan standpoint. And if they were to score 13 points that would be the way that would go so yeah from a coaching standpoint i think that steve sarkeesian in texas will score points and uh, i think it'll be back and forth man i think we're in for a classic i really do
1: yeah i think if you if you take one touchdown away from bama give it in that prediction give it to texas 31 20 yeah be a little bit more reasonable yeah um, i think that's i think that's, that's a
0: very very fair spot to put them out like they cover you know that they cover yeah. back door maybe at the end there um i don't think they'll cover personally i think it'll be close we yeah. give our prediction out as 36 32 but if but th- that situation <laughs> oh nick would not surprise me at all 36 32 36 32 was, yep that's a that's like, down a to the last burner. drive i'm just saying you know yeah we'll see just saying will you will you get 36 32 tatted on you if that's the final score
1: if that i mean it's that a, that's like almost gami. i've never heard 36 32 it'd be
0: in the neighborhood they would be in the neighborhood. <laughs> that is
1: near scoregami. Um, we got time for two more questions. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, um, we've been, I've been getting a lot of these. Um, well, I guess I should say Rocky Top Tom really wanting to get this one asked. He's been asking it a few times, so I'll make sure I get to him. Um, JD, who has the greatest potential for total disaster? USC defense is horrible. Clemson, everything is bad. Or LSU, terrible showing versus Florida State. Which three of those you think has a disaster
0: season? Man, I think I think Clemson is is in a very interesting spot right now the defense is really good but the offense man they just had had real issues heck defense even missed some tackles and looked out of sorts at times against Duke so I think when I look at the other two though I feel good about Brian Kelly I feel good about Jaden Daniels and them being able to buoy LSU same thing with USC Caleb Williams will single-handedly keep them in every football game in my opinion if he's healthy I don't know if there's that factor of okay this guy's just gonna take over the game if we're if we're clemson like maybe someone on the defensive side is a game wrecker and, and will shipley we love will shipley over here man i just want them to get some help in the pass game think Cade Klubnik will figure it out but if you're looking at potential for disaster i'm looking right at clemson and saying all right boys hey we're on the ropes here now let's figure it out let's figure it out dad but figure it out clemson man i, I would love to see that we don't like to see anybody just flailing like that how they did against duke i would love to see clemson put it together man to be honest
1: okay uh two-part
0: question to end this i love it um you're doing great by the way i appreciate you're it, crushing man. it people appreciate on podcast miss out because they do not see the heavy lifter
1: well i'm repping uh the red shirt thursday it looks good um, our buddy william story's been trying to get it going in the office it looks uh, good on you man i'm it, just saying it, it, you got the cut
0: like yeah
1: it's not gaining steam, but we have about four people out of like 15 wearing the red shirt today, yeah, but uh, uh, shout out to him. Uh, so part one of the two-parter D-Man says, do you think that Nebraska fans will fill half, if not more, of Colorado, Colorado Stadium as they've done in years prior? I don't think that's going to happen, JD. I don't
0: know. I don't know. Half is a lot, dude.
1: Not anymore. I don't think that's going to happen now.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. half Half is a lot. Yeah. Also, the juice around Colorado right now, like if you, like, I mean, Social media and YouTube is a great example. Like the the interest with Coach Prime is just national. Like it's not just people that live in Colorado or around Boulder or went to Colorado, care about what they're doing. Like people from Tampa Bay, Florida, all the way yeah. up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, all the way up to, you know, San Francisco, California, like, everybody is at least interested or has an opinion on Coach Prime, and so for that reason, like, I think that it's probably more Colorado fans at Folsom Field this oh, coming yeah. Saturday, but uh, I do think they'll, they'll travel well. I mean, we, we know Nebraska, they'll, they'll show up, they'll show out, they'll get rowdy, and uh, I, that's a great question, though, Nick. What do you think? you, you think less than half?
1: Oh, yeah, but here's the thing. In fan speak, half of the stadium is like you see a few red jerseys in the first three rows. Mm, That's a good way to say it. That's how it goes. I mean, it's, you know, it'll be half the stadium. Like, I'll watch a game, and I'll think, oh, man, we've got all the fans here or this team, and it's like 10 out of, you know,
0: 50,000. It's all in the camera angles. It's all in (laughs) however, you know, the good people at Fox Sports want to kind of craft this narrative around, and Uh I'm not saying fox is crafting narratives i'm just saying they have the opportunity to if they want to go ahead and show a few more red shirts say hey it's kind of 50 50 45 55 here today you know mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know but that'll be fun to watch
1: um jd we, we i always want to make sure i get the super chat people um, Love in so before i go i can leave right after this guys arturo thanks for the super chat asked a question we kind of just talked about but i want you to just do it a little bit more um it's a two. It's like a. It's an if or or. Yeah. Uh, that's nothing. thing. If Clemson is Clemson done being an elite program, or is the ACC deeper than we thought?
0: Hmm. That's a good one. That's a great one to end on. Nick, appreciate you, brother. I'm telling you, people on podcast, we love y'all. We're so glad you make time to tune in. But to not get to see the heavy lifter, I'm just telling you, you're you're cutting yourself a little bit short there on the whole experience. But regardless, Nick, appreciate you, man. Mm -hmm. We'll do it again Tuesday. Sound good? Yep. See you then. Beautiful. Again, Nick, heavy lifter break. Great question. Is Clemson done being an elite program, or is the ACC deeper than we thought? I think there's a couple of things that can be true about this. I think Clemson may be in for a somewhat down year by Clemson standards. I think that's true now do they stay down going forward I I have a hard time believing that I actually think that Dabo Sweeney and I don't know Dabo Sweeney personally at all but I think the noise around his team right now and the way they're going to reevaluate I think he eventually goes to the transfer portal after the season now to what degree I don't know I think they vet whoever they bring in extremely closely and I think they do a lot of their homework to the nth degree but I think at some point in time he's like okay If this is the changes being made, I want to win football games. I want to see this paw at the top of the college football world. If this is what it takes, there's a way for us to do this, but still do it my way, if that makes sense. That's my prediction. No basis for that, just kind of my feel on it. But I think to the same token, though, like the ACC, I don't know if they're deeper than we thought just yet. I think they're more dangerous than we thought. Like just from sheer quarterback play alone, you look across this conference, Brennan Armstrong, I think he could beat you. Jordan Travis, we know what he is. We know what uh, Riley Leonard was this past weekend. Tyler Van Dyke. like There's a lot of quarterbacks across this conference that I think can give you trouble any Saturday that you show up. So I don't know if they're deeper so much as I think there's just more opportunity for pitfalls than maybe people want to assume there are. Regardless, though, still think it's Florida State at the top. I still think it's Clemson at the top as well. I think Clemson is going to be a force here in that conversation come to November. But the beautiful part about it, that is why they play the games on fall Saturdays. And they play the games. And fortunately, we get paid to do this job and talk about it. And I pinch myself every day because of it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this program. Tell a friend. Bring them on here. Say, hey, we got to talk some college football here during the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Want you to tune in with me to this show I watch on YouTube. If not, they can listen on podcast, Apple, and Spotify, The Hard Count with J.D. Pacquiao. Listen, y'all enjoy the heck out of this. We only get 12 regular season Saturdays. We only get so many, all right? For your football team, that is. I know there's a bi-week baked in there, but you hear what I'm saying. Soak this in, enjoy this. This is the best time of the year. This is phenomenal, and this is what we get fired up for, all right? I'm J.D. Pacquiao. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all in Tuscaloosa next time.